I'm Phil Liggett and this is The Wheelhouse. <laughs> hey, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in, liking, sharing The Wheelhouse podcast. We're here again in the bunker. My name's Joel Spreadborough. Catherine Bates, I'm called you Catherine again, just to throw a bit of shade straight away. How are you going? I'm not too bad, Joel. How about you? How, what did you do on the weekend? Did we get the uh, lycra on? I did, actually. I went for a... a I'm going to describe it as a... Well, you know what? I went for a 30k ride, and I told you this, and you said, you know what? 30k on a mountain bike, you can give yourself a, a 60 so since then, I've been telling everyone, mm. I went for a 60k ride on the weekend. <laughs> Equivalent to road, yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was lovely, though. Yeah. It was uh, it was punishing. Uh, we live in an area, very hilly areas, lo- lots of big climbs with some beautiful, beautiful descents. Saw a snake. Always get terrified when I see a snake. So it might have been a real 60 if not for the snake, but I kind of teared it home. Don't run snakes over. That's no. the rule because they and they can snap up and oh, get you on the say leg. Oh, don't that. It terrifies <laughs> me. What, what about you? What, are, what were you well, up to? Well, we were in Tasmania for a family wedding. Gosh, it's beautiful down there. And I must say these beautiful landscapes, I was very much dreaming of being on a bicycle. Yeah. Um, alas, I was not. Uh, but I did catch a little bit of the mountain bike nationals that were going on Excellent. in Fredbo. Yep. Um, Sam Fox for the win on the men's and Beck Henderson again in the women's. Yeah. Made me lament a little bit though as Sam Fox heads back to the road and bridge lane. He's so talented. I just feel as though we're going to lose him to the road pretty quick sticks. Wow. Mm. Okay. And you're sad about losing, losing I someone am. to the road. Okay. Well, I mean, it's great for their career. It's great for their bank balance. But, you know, I think when all of our mountain biking talent gets ID'd over to the road, yeah. it's a bit of a problem for our development. Talent distribution yes. issues, you reckon? Yes. Okay. Lots coming up on the Wheelhouse podcast today. We're going to talk about Pog versus the rest, because that's pretty much how it looks like it might be shaping up at this side uh, of the uh, point of the season, as in the very first blows of the season. Um, <laughs> yes. The role that Twitter seems to be playing in furthering athletes' careers and where the heck their managers might be in all of that, keen to explore that as well. A budding rivalry in the women's tour that looks like it's going to be an absolute hell for leather scrap all year. And I love saying this much much, much more on the Wheelhouse podcast. Let's get straight into it. So our mate Podge uh, hasn't yet responded to our request to come on to the show, to the bunker, but that's okay. He can do what he wants. We're uh, working on it. He's he's uh, he's on tune. He's, he's looking good in Spain. I, I love this. It happened again. It, it happened last year. It made a break from 50Ks or something out. This time it wasn't quite that far. Just said, I'm going to go for it. Everyone just goes, there's us done. That's us. That's us. That's our race. Forget about it. Yeah. We've got a photo up in studio of um, his victory salute. Arms um, very wide. Yeah. Um, he's got a wingspan. I reckon this could rival Michael Matthews just quietly. We've spoken about how. Have we measured? Why? No, not yet. Well, but if he just came into the bunker. I know. Yeah. It would be very helpful. We'd just say, stand against the wall and put your arms out. You know, we should, we should start guilt tripping him saying your teammates come into the bunker. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah. Ooh. What about you? But. Yes, look, he, he showed last year at Strata Bianchi when he, you know, 50K out, went and made it look pretty easy while everybody behind him yep. looked like they were in an entirely different race. Uh, he's done it again, this time at the Juan Pareso Interior. Um, and I would say that the field was somewhat inferior. Oh. Do you like <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, don't. Don't ever be sorry oh, for my heavens. poetry. And listen, at the end of the... Day. He was solo for over an hour. Uh, yeah. He won very easily. He simply said, 
I made my best effort and no one could follow me. Well, someone tried to. Mm. Uh, Ineos uh, rider Ben, uh, t- t- too late. Too late. So, oh, no, I've done it again. No, no. Too no, late? No, yes. Yeah. He made it. He had a, a, a good crack at following him. He was on his wheel early. 42Ks out, but it just dreams were dashed pretty yeah. quickly. And Boom. Mushroom cloud. Didn't happen. I mean, I think we need to look at the depth of field because mm. it wouldn't have been the same scenario had it been a packed field or would it, given Strata Bianchi last year. But, I mean, I think we need to get used to the conversation of, ah, oh, Pogs won another race. He did it again overnight. Mm-hmm. Fair to say he's in pretty good form. However, are we just setting ourselves up, Joel? For a boring season where instead of marvelling at his, you know, incredible once-in-a-generation kind of wunderkind talent okay, that we're just like, oh, here he goes again. You're talking about watching, I guess, broadcasts where we're just watching one rider sort of finish races on their own. Just Well, then, yes, know. and where it's just, you know, it's like the, the Tour de France where they get the jersey in the first week and... Then they just keep just it keep and you stop jersey. tuning in because it's kind of an inevitability of what's going to happen. Oh, I don't know where I stand on this. This is a tricky one because I, I love a dominant champion. <gasps> I'm not going to compare him quite yet to the Michael Jordans of the world and stuff like that. But when someone is that far ahead and they're flaunting it, I know what you're saying, but... Well, it, look, we've had the Super Bowl... Um, play out yeah. recently, which we can claim to be interested in because we had a, an Aussie in there. So, yeah. you know, therefore, two, two Aussies, two Aussies yeah, therefore yeah. it's ours. But if I think about it um, in terms of like, you know, NRL, football, yeah. rugby league, if Parramatta Eels, oh, had to be Eels it had to, yeah. um, okay. won over the Broncos by 80 points. <laughs> if, you mean when? Yeah. <laughs> when, I wouldn't be bummed. Yeah. It wouldn't be boring to watch for mm. me. So okay, I can so see that element. But at the same time, if that happened 20 times, would I still be tuning in? So you're, you're saying it, it, it can, so you're, if you're from Slovenia, you're a fan of UAE, you, you're loving every second of it, obviously, mm. but everyone else in the sport sitting there going, we're bored. Mm. And okay. I don't know that that's jealousy either. I think at the end of the day, they're paid to be entertainers. So... <sighs> Yes. I find it entertaining in that the fact that he had a mechanical as well. Let's let's let, yes. let mind you, he had a mechanical. He mm. still finished I think 40 odd seconds or something like that ahead of the pack or 30 seconds ahead of the pack. That level of dominance and that level of individual overcoming, you know, whatever is thrown at him proving that the gastro wasn't as severe as no, I know, I know. Won't, won't I live to regret that? I'm glad Merckx not playing that back for us this I, week. I think it's one of those, cue the, cue the music, every once in a great while, we're treated to this level of supremacy uh, on a track, on a road, mm. whatever the field of play might be. And I think we should sit back, enjoy it while it lasts, because he's, he's a young man. He could go, look, he could dominate for 10 years. He could not though. Mm. While he's doing this, I think I think lap it up. This is true. And in, and enjoy it. What mm. what an what an athlete. No, I, I'll pay that. And I'll, I'll also say if you are listening, but you didn't listen to last week's episode, go back and have a listen um, to where I suggest that uh, Pog had changed his program due to lack of form. Mm. Uh, look. Yeah. Win some, we? lose some, Joel. Uh, <laughs> let's just say that wasn't my best day on the bike. That's all right. But you know what we also said is that Pog can do what he wants and he proved it once again. This and, is true. And, and he's got a lot coming up. He's got some – the classics obviously coming up and he's mm. this dominance. We'll see if it continues. But Milan-Senremo, 
the Tour of Flanders, as well as all those big events. He'll be there. He'll be doing his thing anyway. Mm. More big news in the world of cycling this week, obviously. Rohan Dennis. Uh, let's give a shout out to him calling quits on, I think, a pretty remarkable uh, career. Two-time world time trial champ to boot. He's got mm. some pretty cool stats about him. Uh, Rowan, I think. He's more than the stats. I'm a very big fan of, of Rohan. Yeah. Um, Rowie, look, he was a couple of years junior to me. Well, I make myself sound younger than I am <laughs> in saying that, but I'll, I'll go with it. Uh, he was starting his career when I was ending my career, and I had the, um, what I will definitely say is the privilege of working with him for a number of years uh, before I retired. He's one of the most meticulous, focused athletes you'll ever meet. Um, and he's a really what I would say, interesting personality. And I was trying to choose a better word there, Joel. I need more coffee uh -huh. to increase my vocabulary. Uh, because he wasn't everybody's cup of tea. Yep. Because he knew how he liked things. He has a really particular way of operating. And that's thrown him into the spotlight a bit in his career and had people kind of question his mental fortitude and his attitude. Um, but I think riders like Rohan and... I mean, for listeners, his name is actually Rowan. Um, it's just that everybody calls him Rohan yes. here in Australia. We love Inspired a nickname. Inspired by Lord of the Rings. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, without writers like him, the peloton would be far less colourful. We'd yep. have far less to write about and be interested in. He is absolutely a generational talent. And I, I think he could have possibly, in the right hands, won a Tour de France. Uh but he didn't for a number of factors. So I kind of want to step through his career a bit because I feel like you don't get many writers like him stepping out in the way that he has. We need to pay a little bit of due respect to this, right? Yeah. Um, we need to also remember he's three times world champion on the track, right? So two times on the road yeah. in the time trial. It's really easy, I think, for a lot of fans to look at what he's done on the road and forget that he was also, um, for a period there, the hour record holder. Yeah. Just incredible. Now, he went, he got a silver medal at the Olympics in London in the team's pursuit. His big thing was that Olympic gold medal. And mm -hmm. that's not unusual for an Australian. Um, you know, they dream, of course, of Tour de France's and Grand Tours and mm -hmm. whatnot. Um, but his big thing was an Olympic gold medal. 2016 was his year to chase that. Now, in between um, London and on the way to Rio, uh, he also managed to win the leader's jersey in all three Grand Tours, only the third Australian to ever do it when he did that, um, behind Bradley McGee and Cadell Evans. So he's in pretty good company there. Not bad. Not, Not bad. bad. Yep. Um, he's won stages in all of the Grand Tours. But the Olympic gold medal. So he went mm. into Rio, into the time trial, as the hot favourite. Mm -hmm. Like, no doubt about it, he had some competition. Fabian Cancellara, uh, the time trolling legend, was one of them. Uh, he's known for being very meticulous about his bike setup and had fiddled with his setup to with in I can't say an inch of its life, a millimetre wow. is how okay. fastidious he a is about it. Yep. And his handlebars broke oh. out on course. And I was standing in the media zone at the end and it was like a punch in the guts mm. because on a personal level, I wanted to see Rowie really succeed. It was my first um, Olympics out of retirement, like in retirement, um, on the other side of the fence, mm -hmm. and that hurt to watch. And I know how badly he wanted it. Uh, ultimately, he finished fifth, even though he had to ride the last 15 kilometres with broken handlebars where he couldn't put the weight on them. Um, he was only a minute 10 behind Fabian Cancellara for the gold medal. So mm -hmm. definitely foreseeable he could have taken that yeah. gold. 
And the only thing he had to say when he came into the media zone was shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, that was it. I, <laughs> shit. And that sort of changed the direction of his career a bit because he really, after that, had this hyper fixation on equipment and making sure that if he lost, it was because he didn't have the engine. Yeah. Right? Because there's a massive difference between losing a race and going, look, I literally did everything I can, especially time trials. Yeah. Like time trialers, it's such a pure discipline and a lot of the athletes are so single focused mm. that the disappointment when you lose is different to in a road race because tactically you can't muff it up too much. Uh, and so he became very fixated on the equipment. Ultimately, he then pulled out of the Tour de France in 2019 when he was riding for Bahrain Merida because the equipment was crap mm -hmm. and he was really struggling with it. He was at odds with his team about it, um, about the bike and also um, the time trial suit. And he felt like he just wasn't even in a position with all that equipment to even be successful. But he was getting all the pressure of them expecting him um, as world time trial champion to deliver the goods. Yeah. And I think that's you know, not a, not a favorable position to be in. Um, ultimately he withdrew, he pulled out on the side of the road. There was a lot of conjecture around why. And he said, I have to look after my mental health and I have to protect my family mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, I take this stress home to my wife. Um, they now have two young children and it's not fair on my whole life because my team doesn't respect the process. Yeah. So that kind of went, um, tits up and all of a sudden he found himself, he went to Ineos, then he went to Yumbo, both teams that really heavily support him and have been fantastic for him. Um, he's become a bit of a super domestique over the years mm -hmm. and sat on the front, like the number of Tour de France stages where he is literally on the front for 100 kilometres at, at a time and leading into the mountains. Phenomenal. Mm. Um, but he, I think he's calling it a day because he's achieved the big thing he wants to he got a medal at the uh, at the last Tokyo Olympics yep. in the time trial. Yep. I think he's achieved what he feels he can achieve and there's no point living the lifestyle without it. So I just I love I love his approach. I know he's a little bit divisive, but he's such an incredible guy. He's got an incredible focus on the sport, incredibly dedicated, not only to his craft, but to his family. I think we're losing one of the good guys here. You said he's quite understated. And I thought the announcement itself, it was very short and sharp mm. social media post basically saying, I'll be great. Thank you, everyone. It's great. Long season ahead. This will definitely be my last. So we weren't seeing a birthday party with people wearing shirts with his face on them and highlights playing. A <laughs> little background. bit different to Peter Sagan, no, is what you're saying here. Different, but is he that guy? Is he that understated? Like, like you say at the Olympics, I've missed out on my dream. Shit. I think is he's he a little guy? bit under misunderstood, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I think he's learnt to say less. Okay. So I, he has been carved up a little bit by the media in the past, and he's gotten quieter and quieter as his journey through the sport's gone on because I think he's lost a lot of trust in the way people have reported about him and on him. And based on a bit of a misunderstanding of who he is fundamentally as a person and as a character. And I do think it's our responsibility as media to dig deep before you carve someone up. Mm. I mean, if you really believe that you're writing, what you're writing about somebody is harsh, but fair, then all power to you. But I'm not sure that that's been the case in all of the circumstances. And so I think for him, an understated announcement is also his way of doing it his way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's really important to him.
and Rowan, his family. Rowan Dennis, you know him. You can speak mm. to him. I want to do a quick game, quick word association. Oh, yes. So okay. One, one, two, three. I'm going to say his name and you say the first word that pops in your okay. head. One, two, three. Rowan Dennis. Legend. Oh, you're giving him legend stakes. Yeah, look, he wow. is. I mean, I, I think... There's very few athletes who will ever have the kind of Palmars he does. I have to say, the ability to say, you know what, I'm not getting involved. Shut it. Shut it out. I'm not I'm not biting. I'm not going to try and defend. I'm not going to try and recreate this narrative you're creating around me. That takes a lot of character. That's it, a strong person and right there. And we had Jay Vine in here, of course, with Bree, and we've talked often about how strong their dynamic is and how she really is the backbone to help him focus on everything. Yeah. Um, this partnership between Rohan Dennis and <laughs> Melissa Hosking, who is his now wife, Melissa yeah. Dennis, she was an Olympian as well on the track. Incredible bike rider. She's played that role in Rowan's life. Them versus the world? Them versus the world. I love that. So okay. good on them. Yeah, mate. Massive shout out to him. And good yeah. on him for bowing out of uh, Tour Down Under with the stage in Adelaide. I know. Oh, like, so. classy. He knew he wouldn't be back. Yeah. You know, and he did actually say to somebody at Nationals, you won't see me in Ballarat again. And there was a little bit of conjecture, like, is that because he thinks the course is crap? <laughs> He's like, no, no. Or not. Oh, well, there was a couple of years ago at Ballarat in the time trial, he got caught up in what can only be described as a freak mini tornado that blew him off the road. I'm not even kidding. Okay. Like tiny little swirl of wind. Oh, really? Like one of those proper? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. In the, so, you know, I thought maybe he just doesn't love the rat. Maybe we can call but him the storm out. chaser. Ooh, I, I like wish it. he wasn't retiring. But we've got, got a whole year. Nickname. We've got a whole year Rohan, to go with Rohan the Storm Chaser Rowie Dennis. Rohan the Storm Chaser <laughs> Dennis. Uh, great career, thirty-two wins, as you say, stages in the in all the majors. He's worn he's worn all the jerseys he's at different worn all stages, the jerseys. Well, which is a quite a unique. He's got a great trophy cabinet. Yeah, and I reckon there'd be a good documentary <laughs> in this. So. Uh, <laughs> Rohan Dennis the Storm Chaser, we salute you on the Wheelhouse <laughs> yes. Podcast. Let's move on to a. Another friend of the podcast, uh, Rachel Nalen, oh, a, a yes. great mate of the wheelhouse. Hello, Rachel. I know that you're watching and listening. So I want to give a big shout out here because be bright, wear a light. I was having a mm. read about this and it's a, it seems like an obvious campaign, but it's kind of one that I like. It's putting the impetus on riders themselves to look out for themselves, basically, and protect themselves. It's all, it's, it, it, what's in a name? It's pretty obvious. It's about visibility. It is. And uh, yeah. understand that greater visibility actually can save your life. That's a simple message. So so light up. What do you reckon? Yeah, well, a big part of Rachel's career, she swapped over from rowing to cycling uh, in the early days. She was an elite rower, a lightweight rower, and thought that cycling was for her. But for her, the roads were really intimidating. Um, and you can imagine, I mean, even you and I have discussed it, Joel, that I'm so comfortable on the roads, but mm. you get out there and you're like, jeepers, oh, terrifying. how do you yeah. survive each ride? Yeah. And it shouldn't be like that. And she was the recipient of the Amy Gillett Foundation scholarship very early on in her career, which got her the opportunity to go to Europe. So in fact, the whole road safety journey uh, has been kind of integral to every part she's played in the sport. Okay, so she's gone over there and basically said, this is what it should be. So this is how, where people mm. are, are a bit more accommodating to cyclists on the well, road? Well, I think she's just been very aligned um, to the Amy Gillett Foundation, which okay. is all about road safety and advocacy yeah. here in Australia. Um, but she's always felt as though we can all play our part. Like it's an, an enormous puzzle. Yeah. 
How's my English going today? That was okay. That was fine. <laughs> it's it an is an enormous puzzle. It's an enormous puzzle. And everybody, every road user and the politicians and yeah. the design, like there's so many different parts yeah. to it. But as individuals, um, Rach really strongly believes that visibility is the biggest role that they can play mm-hmm. um, as professionals. And it's not just at night, Joel, mm-hmm. it's at day as well. Yep. So every time you get on your bike, um, you've got those lights going. And, I mean, we can even look at our kit, right? Our beautiful chips, oh, this sure wheelhouse can. kit. It's watermelon coloured and it's really visible. Yeah. And there's a reason for that because, yep. okay, black is very suave, but it's not very safe. Yeah. Um, and so I chatted to Rach last night and she said, look, it's not a commercial venture. So this isn't her retirement plan. It's that she wants to leave the sport with a legacy. And she's in a position right now uh, to get some of the biggest names in the sport on board to just share their habits. So it's things yeah. they're already doing. Um, and I, I have a bit of a testimonial here from um, our friend Podge. Today he says. <laughs> so he got back to us about this, but not the occasional I know, right? whatever. He says this is the best safety measure I can take for the amount of time I spend on the road and minimal investment it takes to use a light. It's a logical part of my daily training now. Mm-hmm. Simple, right? Um, and then Luca Mezjek, he rides for um, Jayco Alula. He said being on the road 365 days a year around the globe means a constant risk of getting hit by a car. That's yep. pretty sobering, isn't it? Of course. Um, yep. The best thing to minimise this risk is to be as visible as possible with lights strong enough to be seen from more than a mile away. Wow. Right? Okay. So this isn't just a nice little slogan. It is a nice slogan. They've done well. But more than that, it's about being sensible and controlling yeah. what you can control. Well, also yes. using your voice to advocate, yeah. but saying, you know, I play a role in this as well. Yeah. Um, and so good on it. And she said that she kind of wants it to be like um, the Aussie sunscreen campaign. Okay. Slip, slop, slap. Okay. I yeah. think there's another one added now, like slip, slop, slap, slop or something, like slop oh. on a shirt. Okay. Um, but essentially, it's, it's about, you know, slipping on sunscreen, a hat. Slip on a shirt, slop on sunscreen, slap on a hat and find some shade. Yes, I there you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It's an enormous, enormous campaign. It, it is, really is. It is. Well, and, you know, every Aussie knows slip, slop, slap, yeah. shade. You know, yes, like yes, we've yes. got the no hat, no play policy at schools, right? Yeah. That's really cut through. And I think if this can cut through in the same way... It's just one piece of the enormous puzzle, but it's a really meaningful piece. It truly is. And I I love you've said it, the whole take control of what you Mm. can, because as you said, it's a a chaotic, angst-filled mosh pit getting the whole riders versus... Riders versus drivers thing sorted, especially in Australia. A lot of riders come here from overseas and go, Jesus, mm. it was. And personally, I'd rather ride down trails with snakes jumping out at me sometime. <laughs> not even kidding. because That says a lot, doesn't it's it? It's hectic. You're going on the road there. And, and look, not every, I'm sure not every driver wants to cause that sort of thing. Anyway, each to their own. You can only do what you mm. can do. Yeah. And if you're visible and you're there and you're taking care of yourself in that way, that's yeah. the best thing you can do because tragedies do happen. We've seen them happen. Um, and riders need to take care of themselves, take it into their own hands. I was in Adelaide for the tour down under. I was listening to ABC radio down there and they were doing some talk back around cyclists. Mm. And a lady got on, and I'm not even kidding you with this just quickly. She said, sometimes those bloody cyclists, I just want to run them down. 
And thankfully, the advocate that was on, who was very much playing an impartial role in the chat, said, I'm, I'm going to disengage from this because no one should ever have that kind of mm. sentiment towards another human being, etc., etc. But there is that kind of resentment and that weird attitude out there. So do what you can and look after yourself is basically what Rach is doing. And I say massive, massive props to her. Yeah, be bright, wear a light. It's a good slogan, it? Isn't is it? a slogan. It's I, a really and, good you know, slogan. Good on Rachel Nalen um, yeah. for stepping up and, and advocating for that. And can I just say quickly, while we're talking about visibility, uh, shameless shout out here because I think we should do. As you mentioned, our watermelon kit, <laughs> it, it is now for sale. It's up and yeah. about. You were modelling it. Uh, you and Merxy were both modelling it. Looking good, both of you. Very schnazzy. On our social media, we've been waiting for the photo, the schnazzy photo from you, I'm too busy Joelle. sidestepping snakes. Uh, uh, but yes, no, I have got a few photos. I'll send you a few. Uh, yes. It's highly visible. Everything else aside. And do you know what else? It's watermelon coloured. Yeah. And I don't know if you've been living under a rock, Joel, but Harry Styles. <laughs> I don't. I'm going to link it. Harry Styles, everybody. He's the man of the moment. Yeah. Hello, watermen <laughs> watermelon sugar high. Like, <laughs> we are on trend. We sure are. I'm just love, saying. Uh, I'm just saying. Harry Styles at the Grammys when he won that award over Beyonce and he's basically like, oh, no. I uh, think he'd <laughs> look really good in our kit. I think it's time to move on. It is for sale now, <laughs> The Wheelhouse Merchandise, support yourself, look after yourself and support the podcast if you like as well because we'd, we'd really appreciate it. Anyway, let's talk about Twitter because mm. it doesn't get anywhere near Ugh. enough press. But I, I'm, I'm interested in this uh, when managers like across codes, that, that you, have one, you have one job basically, find your client a gig. Mm. That's your job. Yes. You get paid, they get paid, everyone's happy. So why is Twitter now the place where writers are shopping themselves? We've seen a few examples of this where it's like, shit, I haven't got a team. <laughs> yes. Shout out to Twitter. Help us out here. I know. And, and, and hitting a home run. What, what? A, where are the managers? What are they doing? And B, are, are, are teams looking, trawling Twitter now, looking for <laughs> absent I don't writers? Look, like, I don't think so. I mean, Eduardo Sepulvalda, um, one of two Arge Argentinian writers in the World Tour at the moment, um, he had to put out, I'm looking for a team for next year. And this was actually last year he did that. Mm. Cycling is my passion. I still have a lot of kilometres on my legs and I'm very motivated. Now, he says that he was desperate um, after his team, um, Androni Drone Hopper. Yep. They lost their sponsor and uh, it was clear that they wouldn't be able to maintain their place um, at continental level as they were there or pro tour, pardon me, just below world tour. Um he was desperate. He tried everything. Mm. Um, and he was motivated by Larry Warboss, who the year before did the same thing, ended up finding a contract, put himself out there. Yeah. Uh, he believes that it was related, um, that Lotto Destiny team, uh, one of their team directors, um, who is an Australian actually, from Bundaberg, uh, no less, Alan okay. Davis. Yep. He approached him at a race and said, are you still available? Yeah. Um, you know, we understand that, that you are. So, and they, they managed to make it work. So he's wow. got only a one-year contract. So yep. I guess the pressure is still on to prove himself. But you're right. It, it raises the question, how are they even in this position? What are the managers doing? Hello, managers. Are how you, did are you Lotto around? not know he was available? Yeah. You know, if his manager's doing his job, he should be knocking on every door until every door is firmly closed. Mm. So, you know, I think that we have a few issues. It's to, happened before. For, uh, for the athletes Larry there. Warbus, uh, he did it after the demise of Aqua Blue, I believe, as well. Came on to Twitter. Yep. And this guy, I love this tweet. It's on our socials or if you're watching on. It's literally hi. Hi with a hello emoji. Yes. Hello. It's like, it's literally the... 
help. 2023 professional sport equivalent of throwing something in the trading post. Yeah. It, it really is. It is. And or on Craigslist off. or something like that. <laughs> I'm on Marketplace. I'm putting myself yeah, on, on there. Gumtree. It's, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Chloe Hosking did the same thing. And I believe she was offered a number of contracts, although they weren't uh, world tour teams. Yep. They were the, t- the step below. So for women, that's continental, which meant that it didn't uh, match the minimum wage criteria right. and wasn't really a livable wage for her. So she's chosen not to accept any of those offers, but it proved helpful there too. But it's it, look, it's a little bit of a hard one. When I was thinking about this, I thought good on them for taking it into their own hands. But the problem for athletes and this is the majority, like maybe not your podge and maybe not your van arts, but we're talking the majority of athletes mm-hmm. here. They have to negotiate a lot of their own contracts. These contracts are really complicated. So when they're given them to review, they need help with that. They don't yeah. have the skills to necessarily be able to read all the fine print and understand whether it's good to, to sign or not. Um, there's Issues like insurance, because riders often then have to get their own insurance on top of that. There's no superannuation allowance within any of it. It's quite a complicated picture. So we talk about the riders getting minimum wage and how it's not too bad, but then a big portion of that is sucked out by getting advocates to even help you sign the contract. Um, So it's not as rosy as you might think, seeing back, like we look at all these figures for how much the, the big guys are being paid, but yes... It's a little bit more complicated than that. There's a massive, massive gulf, and it's not, you know, not isolated to this sport as well, but it's like, as you say, those high-profile names, they're fine, but everyone else needs to find a drink too. And if that takes going to Twitter, sure. Um, Let's go to the UAE tour on the Wheelhouse podcast. For the ladies. Yeah, there's... uh, I love it because we we love uh, Longo Borghini. We love Elisa. She's great. She took it out. It's like, great, Mm. great, great. But what we want to focus on (laughs) isn't her wonderful overall win. It's... Charlotte Cool and Lorena Wibes and, and what is shaping up as a, a Wout Vanderpool. There you go. I said mm. it here first. A rivalry for the ages. Well, can I just say that Charlotta is very cool? Thank you for correcting me there. <laughs> Charlotta. Oh, no. I was just looking for Are you cool. Going, oh. Did you really not pick up on that? Anyway. Um, she, oh, sorry. Yeah, that went over my head. She's yeah. very cool. Her yeah. acceleration is unbelievable. Believable. So last year, uh, Lorena Vibes was, you know, the yellow jersey holder at the Tour de France Femme for the first stage. Very visible. Easily, I think, the world's best pure sprinter. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got the likes of Mariana Voss, who is a sometimes sprinter classics rider. Um, but Vibes is a pure sprinter. Uh, Charlotte Cool was her lead out lady. Yep. In all of that. They've gone their separate ways now because Vibes has gone over to SD Works. Uh, Charlotta has stepped up at DSM. Um, She's got the likes of um, Pfeiffer Georgie, the former British champion who's sensational talent, and our own Maeve Ploofy. Oh, Ploofy. In that lead out. Wow. But what really stood out to me, uh, she beat her twice um, over there in the – first stage and the fourth stage. Yep. On one of the stages, there was a bit of an accident beforehand and Vibes got caught up. So we can say, yeah, not a fair fight. But the final stage, holy gamoly, Batman. She turned on the afterburners mm-hmm. and just blew them away. Neither of their teams have really nailed the lead out at this point. Like, I think it's very early season. They'll get there. But just the pure acceleration from Cool 
blew my mind. Yeah. I, you know, I I'd read the race report. I'd seen the footage, but I hadn't, you know, reanalyzed it. I went back and looked at it again. Her acceleration is something I haven't seen in the women's peloton for a long time. Okay, so as VB's looking at going, Oof. okay, I'm gonna. What do I need to do to make this rivalry as 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 hotly contested as everyone thinks it's? Yeah. Be? Well, look, I think at the moment, in my opinion, there's a bit of a gap between Cool and VB's. Like, and I think Cool is, you know, way out the front. Yeah. However, that gap will really narrow because they're going to head into training camp now. Um, and get ready for the spring classics. And I think Vibez has some very big fish to fry this season and she will have a firm uh, eye on the classics. Now, they kind of start next weekend at Omlope, but it's still we're still four, six weeks out from, you know, the solid part, like Paris-Roubaix, Flanders, mm -hmm. that sort of stuff that Vibez will be targeting. She'll be working on that top end speed a lot more in the coming weeks, but... Ooh, I think we're like really set up for a season-long rivalry here. Who gets it? Cool. Can we make an early call? Who 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 oh, takes geez. the chocolates? I don't know. I, look, I'm I'm gonna throw it out there and say Charlotte Cool. Charlotte Cool. Okay. Mm. I'm still horrified that I've been calling her Charlotte for oh months now. It's months. fine. I'm just horrified that you missed my cool pun. But anyway, well, it was a pretty chill <laughs> pun. I, I like it a lot. Let's talk about <laughs> esports because uh, yes, it's all happening. The worlds are happening. Australia's team, there's two names that are missing and we might have to put the coin in the jar here, but no Jay, no Bree Vine for Australia. No, no. Jay's, um, Jay's out because we discussed it uh, when he made the announcement that mm. uh, he has some commitments, professional team commitments. Um, Bree has got a lot going on. She's had um, a whole number of factors that have just not put her in a position to be uh, there on race day. So we're sending our thoughts um, to the Vines. And Katie Banerjee is the other one. Yeah, I saw that Joel, too. So I'm bummed. She yeah. stacked at the women's warning. Um, originally, it was reported that she broke both wrists. Oof. I know. Didn't. Okay. Um, but she did one wrist and her collarbone. Uh, and oh, so I, you trade yeah, a, so a wrist for a I collarbone. Know. Wow. And, and I believe <coughs> she actually broke... Uh, both bones in a forearm. I could be slightly wrong oh, on that. Oh, I've done that. Oh. Suffice to say, yeah. pretty nasty. Now, she is absolutely tough as steel. Until a few days ago, she was still like, don't I'm pull good. me out yet. Mm. I might be able to do this holding the bar with one hand. Okay. Ultimately, she jumped on the trainer, did a few power tests, wasn't able to. Of course, Oddly I would have enough. thought that that's yes, but you know, gee, she's she's tough. Good on having a crack. Jeez. I know, but the Aussies have um, a really good chance. We've got Freddie Ovet, who got second last year. Yep. Ben Hill was fourth last year. Mm -hmm. uh, he's back. He's got Sam Hill, who's on pretty good form, and congratulations mm -hmm. uh, to he and his wife Pip. They welcomed a new little human into the world. Oh, very um, nice. Last week, and I believe Pip for MVP, yep. uh, who's been letting Sam sleep and get ready for eSports Worlds while she's been Ooh, on baby that's, duty. That's huge. Yeah. I reckon after Saturday night, he might uh, get the tables turned on in there somewhat. <laughs> I like, it's one of those things where I'll do it. You, you, you get this few weeks, then I get the next I six know. months, pal. That's <laughs> yeah. how it's going to work. Okay. Um, and we've got a couple of new faces. Kyle Marwood and Josh Harris are out there as well with Torben Partridge-Madsen, who was mm -hmm. there last year. We've spoken about Torben before. We have. It's, it's one of the – he's such a talented athlete, but it's one of the – most difficult names to mm. say in commentary. It's up there on the with trot. Charlotta Cool. Oh my really gosh, is. Torben Partridge Madsen. <laughs> oh, it's like voice coaches should use that name yeah. uh, as an exercise. <laughs> um, and on the women's side, 
We've got Imogen Alton, who yeah. has the most incredible story. Vicky Whitelaw, Rose Vassal, and Justine Barrow on both sides. Mm-hmm really big chances uh, of taking the title but there's a lot of there's a lot of big names um Victor Campenarts has announced that he will be racing for Vel- for Belgium yep. former holder of the world hour record no slouch yep. um but it's a bit different this year they've got three different um, races it's like an elimination like a hundred oh, yeah. start in the first and then only the top 30 get through to the second race and then only the top 10 through to the third race and then brutally oh this makes my stomach churn in the third race each lap riders get eliminated until yeah. there's only three left on the final lap that's brutal uh, to sprint for it so. i just want to rattle through a few of the names so you mentioned mm. justine and vicky they're, they're, they're old heads now mm. third, third world championship yes. debuts for imogen alton she was a finalist at the zwift academy in 2021 rose vassal as well um, one line i did read was in the virtual team car as esports national team coordinator will be kate bates bringing her tactical knowledge as a former world champion on the track so that's me yes i yes. thought i thought it <laughs> might have been <laughs> so i um Quite, you know, like a, a little bit offensive. Um, two fifteen is my alarm um, on Sunday you morning. Just, you just love it. Honestly, love it. no. Hello, UCI. This is just a little sly request from the wheelhouse. Yeah. Not our first. Put it on the list of um, please attend to. Is the hour that they're Ooh. racing? I think it's a little bit obnoxious um, yeah. to the Australian riders. Look, it's not going to stand in our way. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly they're having to think a little bit differently about how to warm up, how to manage uh, body temperature and all that sort Not of stuff yeah. at three o'clock in the morning. Oh. It's a, I mean, because if you jump, any cyclist knows, if you jump out of bed and jump straight on the bike, it takes a little bit of time um, before you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. And you can often like overcook yourself and not come back for it and not realise because your body's just not quite ready. Yeah. Um, so the Aussies have had to be a little bit more strategic about how they... Um, have approached this, but have you had have you had confident. dialogue with the athletes about this? Is there a little bit of the not fair? Poor yes. us uh, no, on, they're incredible attitudes. Actually, yeah. I think I'm complaining more than anybody about the hour. Okay, um, well, that's like, I think I they'd like too. me to stop complaining <laughs> just quietly. Just get on with it on okay. the group chat. They're going to start muting me every time I <laughs> yeah. I say this is offensive. Yeah. Um, no, they're all pretty good sports about it. Yeah. It looks like a cool time, inspired by Glasgow. I love the names, the punch, mm. the climb, the podium. It's mm. going to be... Well, so all of the worlds are in Glasgow this year, yep. like the first combined worlds, road track, BMX, mountain bike. Um, so they've put the eSports um, there as well. And and I just want a quick shout out to um, Shirney Sutton, who designed the kit. Yes. Um, so it was launched at Wollongong last year, but it's the first time um, that it'll be worn. Look at it. It's, it's beautiful, a beautiful, Joel. Kit, yeah. And I've actually got um, the pin inspired by the design um, yeah. on my t shirt as you well. You got that in Wollongong when we, we saw Shirney actually speaking about her art and her work. Yes. Indeed, it's such beautiful kit. It has been put in game now, so that's a beautiful legacy um, for her. And I'm really proud that Australian cycling has taken this step down a bit of a reconciliation path where our beautiful kit represents who we are as a nation Mm. um, and not just a green and gold stripe. Yep. Um, We're beyond that, so it's very beautiful. You can actually um, jump on line and check out all the designs they're very beautiful coming in she's the week an incredible of the, artist. Uh, the anniversary for the apology to the stolen indeed and she's too, also so. she's from Bundaberg so mm. Queensland in what Australia is with, what is it with Bundy yeah I mean check out the um the pictures on our socials because it really is beautiful she's also done a lot of the NRL all-stars she indigenous has, yeah. round jerseys yep. um so 
she's got a few of her designs out there. And they're great Let designs. Let us know what you think of them. And the play, like the NRL players, the, you know, not the best of, of, mm. of talkers, but when they do talk, um, it's it's often oh, praising a bit the beautiful. Of slander. No, look, love <laughs> them, love them, love them. But they're, they're good. For, they're good at footy. That's I'm just okay. thinking some of these beautiful designs on our watermelon kit. I'd, hello, Ooh. yeah, bring just it. Just going to put it out there. I reckon. Wow, that's a V2 good one. for the shop. Yes. And just a reminder: the wheelhouse shop is online <laughs> and going it right is. now. If you'd like to play part, but no, it's it's, it's good to see. Um, as you say, those. An ever gradual jersey, a journey, sorry, jersey towards uh, reconciliation and solidarity and all of that. And it's good to see this happening in more and more sports. We see the Wallabies sporting these jerseys as well in the rugby, and it's it's a very, very good thing. So Indeed. enjoy the two fifteen a.m. alarm. Um, yes, and good thank luck you. to the Aussies. I love the Americans been throwing some serious heat about their chances as well. I love yes, it. It's going to be there's a, a bit of ego flying around it, in the esports world. It reminds me of the old. Yeah. We're going to smash them like guitars. Oh, I love it. I love it. Mm, a little we'll bit aggressive for me, but you know, I, see what, I see where you're going. I see where you're going. Let's have a, a look um, at the classic season. It's not too far away. Uh, now, I'm going to leave this with you. So what's coming up first, <laughs> pronunciation queen? Oh, really? Oh, I wanted to see you do this. Um, Omlope Head Newsblad is the first of the season. It always is the first. That's coming up on the 24th of Feb. Um, so that'll kick it off. We've had some great success by the Aussies there in the past. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that that will set the scene a little bit. It's certainly very early and people will have time to fine-tune their form, but it'll give us a bit of an indication. And then Strata Bianchi is on the 4th of March before San Remo, then on the 18th of March. After that, so that's a month away, then we really uh, get into it in earnest with yep. uh, Flanders, with Roubaix, with Flesh Wallon, with yep. Lise Baston-Liège. Jeez, you're on fire. Yes. You're on fire. Yes. Oh, look. Quick little anecdote on on Liège. This is definitely not on the rundown, sorry. Um, When I was living in the Netherlands, when you drive into Belgium, Belgium has a Flemish-speaking part and a French-speaking part. And when you go into the French-speaking part, the signs change from essentially Dutch or Flemish, which is very similar to French, and all of the place names change as well and so I remember the first time I was trying to find Liège and the Dutch word for Liège is L-U-I-K okay and I was very confused and this is back before GPS this is like handheld maps except my handheld map was in Dutch as well so I feel like I have a bit of an affinity that to that race because I have circled Liège in a car (laughs) on the ring roads yeah for countless hours not realizing I was in fact in the right so there's a bit of a, a detour. You know the um, roads well. <laughs> I do. Oh, Very and, well. And since I took us on a detour, I'll bring us back from the detour. Okay. Um, because I wanted to talk about the stray helicopter at the Tour of Oman. Yeah. I bet you that's what you were thinking when you were lost at that time. That I could you, do with yeah, a helicopter. Get to the chopper. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that. Well, I don't love it. It's it's not great. But uh, a chopper blowing blowing barriers and causing all sorts of chaos. And it was it didn't affect the top of the field, but the bottom half, I believe, were given a, a time bonus, a, a 20 now, seconds or something like that. Is now, that that's harsh, bottom half. It was um, the I'm riders sorry. outside the top 10. Uh, well, <laughs> but yes. If you're, yes. Not, if you're not first, you're but, last. <laughs> they did, uh, yes. So the riders finished and um, collapsed across the line. Mm. Jabal Hutt, it was the name of the uh, climb, which I remember because it's, kind of reminds me of Jabba the Hutt, mm-hmm. but you can see in the background 
that the barriers just have a life of their own. <laughs> They're yeah. just getting blown around. And that's because the helicopter was flying too low. And oopsie daisy. Now, luckily, no riders were injured either by having a barrier hit them um, or blown off themselves. But it has happened in the past. In the Giro a couple of years ago, we saw a similar incident where riders were blown off the road and injured. Um, And it harks the question, like, are we not past this? Come on now. The helicopter pilot got pulled out of the race. But why was he even there in the first place? Why aren't there regulations around, like, how close they can go? Because if it's happened before and now it happened again, it's like just there has to be a limit. There's a distance limit. Yeah, well, there is. And, I mean, a lot of that is based on federal aviation laws in the country they're in. But, for example, um, at the Tour de France, they have negotiated special regulations for the Tour de France pilots mm. so that they come, can come within 50 metres um, of the riders, which is incredibly close. It's very close. Incredibly close. Yeah. Not when they're directly above, but when they're to the side, um, I believe. Now, look, the UCI has limits about sock height, Joel. Yeah, I was about to, yeah. So can the UCI not take the lead on this one, perhaps? Sock height, chopper height, because which, is more, which, <laughs> no. which, which has more potential danger? Yes, I'll just definitely the socks. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but look, the Tour de France pilots, they train for about six months a year just for the races. I was interested races. in this. Wowee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so as soon as the courses are released, they go and do the recons, they find the fields, sometimes private properties where they'll be landing, taking off, refueling, um, and they practice the flying over the, over the routes. Yeah. I'm not sure that we've got the same level of attention on all races so okay. you know there you go UCI well, it's an, <laughs> add that one to your list yeah there's just another one aren't we yeah. the favourites it's an Amani <laughs> TV helicopter pilot as well it's probably just I, I don't know yes. how much lead up they would have had to all of that but it's basically get the p- best possible pictures you can get which is yep. always going to be a fine line as well because those watching on want to see up close and personal they do but we also want riders to survive races as well so it's a little bit of a it's a balance it is a delicate Let's call balance. it a delicate balance but look a yeah, 20 second penalty to those beneath 10 the bottom half as i say sorry about that to all of those riders but anyway <laughs> I, I don't know if that compensates for it if someone got hurt that it, none of that matters does no, it? no i don't think so and the riders were you know, in good spirits about it but they did point that out too again on the twitter yeah um, they said no one was hurt, but I feel like our words of the day today are Twitter and Bundaberg. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it very much. Fun. It has. Thank you. <laughs> you better go get some sleep because you've got to get up. At, just a gentle reminder you need oh, to get up no, at 2 Oh, no, thank you. Look, we do have a huge few weeks coming up, so um, come yeah. on this journey with us. Um, in fact, the women start racing again. Um, Annemiek van Vloten, she's out of hiding She's coming out, Cecily Utrebludvik. So we might have some really funny incoming quotes from her. She yep. normally says something funny at every single yep. um, opportunity she's interviewed. So we do have a massive kind of season ahead of us. Yeah. I'm excited, Joel. Are you fit? Are you ready to go? I'm, I'm rearing to go. Excellent. Rearing to go. And just quickly, I just want to give a quick shout out to the way the American team, the esports, describe their athletes because they don't give athletic oh credentials. <laughs> <laughs> For example, Brian Dufty Jr. He's 34 years old and works in corporate finance. Jay Brune is a 34-year-old project manager from Atlanta. Oh. Kristen Kolchinski is a 41-year-old goldsmith and jewellery designer from Long Island. And Jacqueline Godby is a 32-year-old radiology resident with a PhD in chemistry. Now, what's been omitted from there is mm. the fact that we have reigning US champions. We have uh, world champions. We have all of this sort of thing. But don't worry about that. We want to know what their day job is. Curious. I find that very quirky. I just wanted to throw oh, that in there. it sounds like a little bit of a Grey's Anatomy cohort too A little there. bit. <laughs>
it's good to know they're keeping yeah. themselves busy when they're when they're not on the bike. That's, That's it. Indeed, indeed. Thanks for pointing that out. That's okay. <laughs> like, fair, uh, share, follow, subscribe. It's mostly factual. It's lots of fun. It's the Wheelhouse Podcast. My name's Joel Smedborough. Kate Bates. We'll see, see you, you next soon. time. <laughs> The Wheelhouse is produced at River City Studios for Listener and proudly supported by Champion System, Per Se and the Grow Getters Group. Our executive producer is Luke Merksey-Mears and the show is written and hosted by Joel Spreadborough and me, Kate Bates.